Well, good morning, everyone. And here we are at the start of a new year. And last week, we celebrated the birth of our Savior, a holiday intended to commemorate the day that led angels in the pastures outside Bethlehem to proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And, you know, the song that we just sang in worship, you know, we were also giving praise to God and, and saying glory to God. And beyond the pro- proclamation of, of peace that was made at Jesus' birth, uh, during his earthly ministry, Jesus made a, an even bolder statement. The thief comes to k- kill and steal and destroy, and I come that they may have life and have life to the full. And in some translations, that passage, John 10, 10, uh, is rendered as that they may have life abundantly. And yet, as we look back on 2021, many of us aren't feeling peace, and we're not experiencing life to the full either. Some of us may be worried about whether schools start on time. Some of us may be concerned about paying our bills. Others are recovering from colds, flu, or the Omicron variant of COVID, or caring for someone who's been ill, or are worried about whether we're gonna get it next. Some of us are just kind of exhausted by the hectic pace of the holiday, the commitments, the unfulfilled expectations, and we're wondering, is this what full looks like? And if it is, do I want more of it? And whatever your situation is, you may be wondering, where's that peace that those angels were shouting about? Or why am I not experiencing the abundant life Jesus promised me? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a major impediment to living a full life. Something that Shalford we've been talking about as the curated life. And, 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 and this is something that we all wrestle with in one way or another. Um, so what do we mean by the curated life? Um, well, one good place to start is by taking a look at the dictionary and, and to curate is to organize or oversee uh, or, or to gather or present for public viewing. And, and, and what it means to us as we experience that in life is one, it is making certain parts or desirable parts of our lives visible and hiding that which is less desirable. And, uh, and, and, you know, over time, you know, sometimes we spend more time working to make the desirable parts more visible. Sometimes we spend more time trying to hide those desirable parts. And, and it just so happens that, you know, 28 years ago today, um, 
I was sitting in a church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and, and as much as I had spent in my life working hard, pursuing a career, you know, I was married to a beautiful wife, I owned a home and I, and b- before I was age 30. And so everything on the outside looked great. I had a partner track job at, a, at an elite consulting firm. And yet, I was miserable. And, and I had gotten to the end of myself, my inability to, to manage my life on, the, on my own. And, and the circumstances that brought me to Alpine Chapel that day led me to recognize that I needed a savior. And, and, and that was really, and, I, and on that day, I made a profession of faith. I admitted that, that I was a sinner, that my life was unmanageable on my own, that I could not, I could not manage, you know, be the person that I wanted to be on my own. And I accepted that free gift of salvation. And Jesus changed my life. And, and that, that all that effort I had put in, uh, things like effort to create the desired image. You know, for me, it was excellence in school and being smart and always being the youngest person to, you know, in the room, uh, and there's some people smiling, uh, you know, th- th- there was a time in my life when I was always the, the you know, the youngest one in the room, when, you know, I remember um, be- being in a group of colleagues and people talking about where they were when, when President Kennedy was assassinated, and, and people looked at me, and I'm like, I have no idea where I was, because I wasn't born yet. And that made everybody feel really uncomfortable, but I kind of got, you know, a, a shot of adrenaline out of it because, like, I wasn't, you know, as old as those folks. And, and now that, you know, I've sort of achieved no hair status, you know, it, you know <laughs> it's just a different, it's a different situation. And there are, you know, many people in the room who, you know, who, if I say something about remember when they weren't born yet, and, 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 but, it, but that effort to you know, create a desired image, that being the youngest was n- not something that I could maintain forever. Um, another area of effort is uh, defending that image from reality. And, you know, and you know, being follically challenged, you know, it would take a lot of effort to hide that reality from people. But there are other areas where, you know, always having to be the smartest person in the room was exhausting. And, and, and so that, you know, that curation of making the desirable parts visible and hiding the, the less visible takes effort and, um, and, it, and it's unsustainable. The next aspect of what we experience about the curated life in our own lives is the reality that everybody curates something. Now, it's easy to rip on social media 
and, and the amount of time we spend on social media and the v varieties of forms we spend uh, you know, in social media, but it's just the tip of the iceberg. And um, you know, we, you know, some of us, we, you know, we curate our cars. We have a certain type of car that we that we want to drive because of you know what it may say about us. M many of us curate our careers, and and in fact, you know, that's a large part of of corporate life is is making the best parts of your career visible, you know, uh, and uh, for example, through LinkedIn or through networking um, and, and maintaining relationships and being in, involved in different activities related to business, we, we invest a lot of effort in curating our careers. Um, we, we, we curate our children. You know, we've got to have them in the right classes. We've got to make them go to the right schools. We've we've got to be in in the right neighborhoods. We curate our homes. You know, that's a fairly straightforward thing. You know, to manage our home, want to make it look nice. Some of us curate our clothes, and 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 so at the end of the day, we all have to wrestle with this idea. You know of of curating things, even if we're not on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, now, the flip side of that is not only do we curate things, but much of what we experience in life is curated for us. And, and it's very subtle. In fact, you know, Ann and I were having a conversation about this earlier in the weekend of you know the how much of our experience is is presented in ways that are desirable or to give us a specific experience whether it's the products that we use the the media that we consume art the news and and in a time where it's we're literally bombarded with various types of information, it's hard to know what to pay attention to, what you know, what to to see, accept as true, and what to reject as false. Um, the, you know, the government curates for us. We're all living through you know a very challenging time, uh, you know, with the 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 COVID virus and. You know, regardless of your um, political background, it's been very difficult to know what to believe, and um, <clears throat> and and yet that information is being very specifically curated for us, so you know to guide us in one way or another. Um, the workplace curates to us. You know, over the last 15 years, there's been the rise of what are called employee or HR experience functions in companies where it's about designing the employee experience. Our families curate for us, like the, you, know, um, you know, what our children want us to see, you know, what our parents want us to see, what our extended families want us to see, and sadly, the church is not exempt from this type 
of curation. In fact, you know, you have churches that talk about the worship experience. And, and so it is extremely challenging to, to, to process all of this. And, and, you know, the net of this is curation is what life in the flesh looks like. And, and, and one way to look at this, you know, life in the flesh is the idea of the false self. And in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Paul writes, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, which were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And, and that false self is, is really what we need to confront and, and escape from. And, and Alice Freiling, in her book, The Mirror for the Soul, she describes the false self like this. The false self is the person we think we should be, but are not. It's the person we want others to, to think we are. The false self perpetuates the illusion that we are able to love perfectly, to be wise and all-knowing, and to be in control of life. It thrives on success and achievement. And the problem's not that the false self is a bad person. The problem is the false self is a facade. And it's an imitation of God that we use to impress others. And another way to look at it is, is it's the temptation to take, uh, to take the, the role of God in our lives. And, and uh, Robert Mulholland talks about this in his book, The Deeper Journey. And so <clears throat> um, as we, you know, as we, we, we wrestle with this, um, you know, we have to deal with the fact that it's driven by fear. And, and as we, you know, as we develop um, that, you know, we interact with, with reality and, and we, uh, through our experiences, we figure out how to interact with the world. And a fair amount of that is driven by fear. And it's largely expressed through the way that our personalities uh, develop. And, and as they develop, we tend to uh, process information and our experiences in one of, through one of three major filters. One is the heart. The people who primarily process the world through their feelings. The next is the head, people who primarily process the world through their thinking. And the third is the gut or the instinct, where people who primarily process the world through our instincts. And, and, and these approaches, you know, 
then bias the way that we interact with, with the world around us. And, and, and these responses reflect our, our fleshly weaknesses because they're the coping mechanisms of the false self. Now where we want to go is we want what Jesus promised in, in John 10.10. 10. We want to have a full life. The, you know, our destination is to have life. And, uh, and the irony, though, for the, is really expressed well by a pastor named Robert Lewis who developed the men's fraternity ministry. And, and, and he talks about this as the paradox of life. To truly live, you must die to yourself. And, and he's referencing Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And he, said, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so the first step that we need to take in order to you know, begin to escape the curated life is a step of awareness. The, the ability to see the spiritual in, in everyday life so that we can fully live as spiritual beings. And a good example of this is in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel in, in starting in chapter 3 where at this point in time uh, you know, Samuel has born, been born Hannah and Elkanah and, and uh, Hannah fulfills her vow and, and, uh, and essentially presents her son to, mini to minister uh, in the house of Eli. And, and at, at one point, um, you know, the Lord calls Samuel, and, and Samuel doesn't know that it's the Lord who's speaking to him. And he, and he wakes, he hears the Lord's voice in the middle of the night and gets up and goes to Eli and, and, and you know, and, and asks Eli, you know, uh, you, know you called me. And, and, and Eli didn't call him and sends him back to bed, you know, go back to sleep. And this happens three times. And in, in verse 8 it says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And, and there is this, this, this piece of spiritual awareness that is the, the first key to unlock in the escape from the curated life. The ability to see the spiritual because is, is absolutely critical and it's God-given. And, and, and it starts uh, it, us on a journey because the spiritual awareness gives us a radically different way to understand life as we experience it.
And um, and another you know good story in in the New Testament about um, about the you know spiritual awareness or the lack thereof is in Luke chapter twenty four um, the the story of the, the the disciples on the road to Emmaus where they spend a lot of time with Jesus and they don't know who he is until the very end when their eyes are open and they see Jesus for who he is in the breaking of the bread. And so to become spiritually aware, each one of us needs to admit we need a savior. And, and I am you know, grateful that God brought me to a place in, you know, on January 2nd, 1994, where I became aware of my need for a savior and I did something about it. And, and every one of us, you know, either made that choice at some point in time or has yet to make it. And, and when we make that choice, it opens up uh, what we're going to elaborate on over the, the coming weeks is five paths of escape or freedom from the curated life. And the, and the first one is peace, which is uh, the ability to experience calm and rest. And we live in a world that there's not a lot of calm and rest right now. And, you know, whether it is, you know, East Cobb, Georgia, or Cupertino, California, where I lived most recently before coming to Georgia, or northeastern Illinois, every one of these communities had in common a lot of activity and a demand for excellence. In fact, in you know when we lived in Chicago, we used to joke about how in Barrington, Illinois, they demand excellence from Little League to the Ivy League. And when you're in a community like that, it's really hard to have peace, right? Children don't play in the yards or in the neighborhoods. They're all regimented and, and in, in various activities and overscheduled. It's very difficult to have peace, yet um, the, you know, the, that, as one approach, uh, avenue of escape is developing the ability to experience calm and rest while facing the demands of reality. And, um, and so, uh, you know, as we, as we live and develop our spiritual awareness, you know, God makes avenues available for us to experience peace. This, the second avenue is, is prayer. And if you're not sp spiritually aware, and prayer is kind of weird, right? Because prayer is the ability to speak and listen to God. And, um, <clears throat> and, and, if, and if you're not spiritually aware, it's kind of hard to listen to God. 
and, and, and that one of, you know, one of the, the ways that we, we know that we have a relationship with God is we hear his voice. And, and when you hear God's voice for the first time, it can be pretty scary. And it was scary for me on December 23rd of 1993 where, um, where you know, I was in, in my home and, and I just had this overwhelming perception of you know, experience of the Holy Spirit saying, I am trying to get your attention. And, and it was unnerving, but it, it jarred a spiritual awareness in me that led me to be open to the gospel and, and to be able to hear from and, and, and then enjoy a relationship with God. And, and that, you know, as, as I think about this, you know, it reminds me of John 16, 24, where, where Jesus said, you, you have, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. The next avenue is patience. And patience is the ability to bear burdens, experience trials, and persevere. So it's the ability to bear burdens um, and, and persevere uh, and in in your relationships with God and others, because you know we live, we still live in a even after we're saved, we live in a fallen world, and and we experience pain, we experience loss, we suffer, and and yet God gives us the ability um, to be able to bear those burdens. And, and to develop patience. And, you know, in Colossians 3, Paul wrote, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has give, forgiven you, so must you, for, you also forgive. And, and, this is not something that, that we can do on our own. And, you know, and, and in my background, you know, I grew up in a family where people had really long memories if you did something wrong. And, and in, in fact, um, you know, we, we lived in a house that you know, was ruled, not only people had long memories, but it was ruled by money that my grandfather used to talk about, you only have one friend in life, the almighty dollar, and he tracked it. And you know, after my grandfather passed away, you know, people were look, you know, looking through the, our house, and we found hidden behind the washing machine a box that had a ledger in it of every person that owed my grandfather money. And, 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 and that was really uncomfortable for some of those people on the list. And, um, and I was really grateful that I was the only person in my household who was not on, a, you know, on that list. 
And, uh, but then that sort of drove into my own, you know, my own false self of being independent. And, uh, but a, you know, one of the paths of escaping that curated life is God, you know, God-given patience. Next is the, f- the, f- the fourth escape route is presence. And, and this is the ability to fully live in the moment. And, um, and, and when we can live in the moment, we can enjoy what God has for us. And, and, you know, many people, they have a really hard time being in the moment. Now, it, you know, if you have a, a smartphone attached to your body, you know, it's constantly trying to get your attention. Now, you know, uh, a year and a half ago, I was in a job where, you know, I didn't have one smartphone. I had two smartphones. I had the work smartphone and the non-work smartphone. And, and the, the thing was buzzing all the time, trying to get my attention. And, and, and that makes it difficult, you know, whether, whether I'm, you know, uh, trying to deal with something that happened yesterday or worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow it robs me of my ability to enjoy the you know the current moment and uh and a, a lot of that is driven by you know in in this day and age by electronic devices and uh you know interesting you know for the the last year a, a year ago we you know we uh Welcomed a a a very lively um, golden doodle into our home, and the puppy has an incredible ability to focus you on the here and now. Right, <laughs> it is you know it's grabbing a towel from the kitchen, it's running up and down the stairs, it's jumping on you, and and on one hand, there's um, you know, it's hard to give it hard to give the puppy enough attention, but on the other hand, I've experienced how it's a you know having the dog has allowed me to actually just enjoy the moment because the dog is very cute, a lot of fun, and 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 to just in, enjoy being with the dog, taking the dog for a walk, and not having to deal with you know all the other you know, all the other stuff that I could be paying attention to. And, and that presence is really important because, you know, Jesus challenged us in Matthew 6, 34 to not be anxious to, about tomorrow. And, um, and so, <clears throat> because tomorrow will be anxious for itself. So when we're worried about tomorrow, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're A, focusing on something we can't control and, and B, it's not our responsibility to worry about it anyway. Um, and then finally, in this, the, this last path is, <clears throat> is purpose. 
And it's the ability to perceive and pursue a unique God-given purpose for one's life. And, and, And this is really important because you know, when we can see God's hand in our life and his guidance in the people he's put in our lives, the relationships, the, the, the work, whether it's paid work um, outside the home or work inside the home, which is equally valuable to God um, and... <coughs> and makes a huge impact you know on the world through uh through our our children and just the reduction in in stress that you know in investing in the home um you know while it does not have it's it, you know it's not one of the things that the curated life you know raises up but it but it's actually really valuable to God. Because as we think about the, the metaphor of the church, the body, in um, 1 Corinthians 12, <coughs> there are a lot of different parts, and they're interdependent. And each part has a distinct function. And so... Um, you know, it's important to know what my part is and what my purpose is so that I can let go of the other ones. And <clears throat> we, we also need to recognize that that purpose is eternal, that, you know, we're not, not only just doing things for today, but every day we are moving towards becoming the people that God created us to be for eternity. And, and that as we pursue that purpose of becoming the unique person that God created us to be for eternity, life has meaning. And, and, and we, when we, when we are acting as God designed us to be, that's fun. It's a lot of fun. And, 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 and we can enjoy who God created us to be for and be grateful for where he has placed us and, and know that what we are doing today has eternal significance. So, um, so then, now that we've looked at five different potential escape paths from the curated life. Let's talk in closing about a couple of next steps. First, take an inventory. Spend some time in your quiet time uh, to have God show you, one, what are you curating? And number two, what's being curated for you that most heavily influences you. And then finally, spend some time thinking about 
what was the thing from which you were saved? Now, one of my friends, longtime friends who uh, previously served as a Latin American director for a missions organization called International Teams, his name is Woody Rowland, and he's currently a pastor uh, at a church, a missions pastor at a church in Minnesota. And Woody and his wife Sue served in the mission field for over 30 years. And Woody would talk about how his love for Jesus was driven by knowing what he was saved from. And, and, and as, as you look at your own life, knowledge of what you were saved from is a really important um, element of letting go and finding that escape from the curated life. Because, you know, in in my own life, I I can see how God has freed me from myself. And, and, and how he freed that, uh, how he freed me from that has uh, been a wonderful thing that I can't take credit for, but I can really enjoy, rejoice in it. And so as we, you know, look forward into 2022, the uncertainties of life, the, the, the fears and anxieties being driven by our media and politicians and, um, and, and the world in general, there's a path out of that. And, and it, as you pursue that path this year, you know, uh, I pray that you will find freedom and that you'll be able to enjoy uh, you know, the, the circumstances in which God has placed you and see how those experiences are shaping you to be the person he created you to be for eternity. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you want us to have life and life to the full. And, and we can trust in you that when when we see your path for us, our distinct God-given purpose, that it's the best life possible, including the, you know, the, the suffering, the trials, and the loss that we may experience, and that you have a bigger picture for all that. We pray that we'd see your hand and live the full life that you desire for us. In Jesus' name we pray.